You know, when we look for jobs, often we consider the salary, and that's a big part of what we look at, how much we're going to make. But so often we overlook the benefit package that comes along with that salary, which really enhances and makes it way better than we realize. And so many of us have done that with our salvation. We look at the salary of salvation. I kind of consider it that my sins are forgiven now and someday I get to go heaven. But there's a benefit package that comes along with coming to know Jesus. Paul describes in Ephesians 1.3 as being blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so we're not just forgiven. We're not just going to heaven someday, but we've been blessed with a bundle of blessings in Christ Jesus that are ours. And this morning, I want to talk about one of those benefits, one of those blessings, and that's the Holy Spirit. We're going through the Upper Room Discourse this summer, and what we're looking at are Jesus' words to his followers between the time that he ascended back to the Father and the time he's going to return again, and Jesus is teaching his followers essential truths they need to know to live by while he's gone back to the Father until he returns. And the Holy Spirit is referred to two times in the first 13 chapters of the book of John. We read about him in chapter 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and says, you got to be born again, and we see that that born again, it goes on to explain, is a work of the Holy Spirit causing a person to be born again. Then we see in John chapter 7 that Jesus brought up at the day of the great feast, and he said this, if anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. He, uh, you know what, I'm going to do it over. I, I, I got new glasses. I want to see if I can read it off of there. Not as good as I thought, so I'm going to read it off of here. <laughs> Go, what's that say? <laughs> if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. That's the ascension. Jesus, we're going to send back to the Father, send the Holy Spirit. He spoke this before that time, but he was speaking about that time when those who would believe in him in their innermost being would be the Spirit of God, the indwelling Spirit of God is a gift that God gives to his people to dwell in the deepest part of who we are to meet the deepest thirst that we have in our life. And so the Holy Spirit is God's presence in us. And what I want to talk about this morning is just understanding in the Upper Room Discourse what Jesus said. There, Trust me, there is so much more beyond what I'm going to share with you this morning, but I'm hoping to prime the pump in you to be able to study a little bit more. And I want to pray, because you know, as we were praying this morning, one brother brought it up, and some of you may be like I was at one time. I was fearful of the Holy Spirit because of some of the 
charismatic extremes. And I thought, man, I don't want to go there. But I was that good Baptist that stayed so far away from the Holy Spirit that I was missing out on a great gift that God gave us. And I prayed this morning that God would give us all the ability with, to make room for him to speak to us in our hearts about the Holy Spirit without fear of some extreme or without closing him out as if, man, that, that's some kind of charismatic thing. This is a gift that God has given to all of his children. And to me, it's the most precious and valuable gift I come to appreciate in this benefit package. So let me open us in prayer, okay? Father, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit's presence would be in this room. Matter of fact, I don't have to, he is in this room, Lord. <laughs> I don't have to ask that. You're everywhere. What I do want to ask is that he would make his presence known. That he would work among us. I think of that song, that old song, uh, Lord, while you're calling on others, don't pass me by. And Lord, as you're going calling on churches all over around the world today, I pray you won't pass Moraine Valley by. I pray, God, that your spirit would work mightily in this room. I pray, God, you would take truths that maybe we've known in our head or from the Bible, and God, you would open them up to us today in a way like we never saw them before. And I pray, God, that those truths would become what Jesus wanted, the truth of the Holy Spirit living in us. And Lord, might we leave as people today who leave dependent upon the one who lives in us. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Turn to John 14 if you haven't yet. That's the passage we're going to start with this morning. And you know, because we looked at it the first week, that we saw that Jesus repeated the theme that he was leaving and going back to his father, but he was going to come again. But in John 14, in verse 18, he says this. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. <laughs> what great comfort. Jeez, man, Jesus here walking with us. All of a sudden he's leaving and we're going to be all alone. No, Jesus says, no, I'm not going to leave you here as orphans. I'm going to come to you. And that whole passage is going to explain about how Jesus, his people, is going to come to not only walk with his people, but to be in his people as their helper. Watch for that as I read verses 16 through 20. Again, we're watching for the presence of Jesus by means of the Spirit coming inside his people to help him. We're starting in verse, sound like some kind of alarms going off? Is that on people's phones or? Okay, that's fine. I didn't know something in our building and we had to get out or something, you know? I, Okay. So starting in verse 16, he says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, that he may be with you forever, and that is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me 
because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Jesus coming by his Spirit to not only be with his people, but to be in them so we're not as orphans. And Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper. The word basically means one who comes alongside to help. He comforts, as a matter of fact, other ways that this word is used, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside to help, uh, he's called the comforter. He's called the encourager. He's called the one who mediates in behalf of someone. And so the Spirit of God is coming alongside of us to help us with whatever we need in our walk with God. Look at back at verse 17. He says, the spirit whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you. He's speaking to them right now. He's with you guys right now, but later on, he will be in you. Now I want you to, that word in, I'm gonna highlight that right now. We're gonna see it over and over again today. This is the heart of the truth we wanna talk about, of the presence of God in us. And you're gonna see that word over and over again this morning. We saw it already. He's in the innermost being where the Holy Spirit dwells. Here again, Jesus saying that this helper, the spirit of truth is gonna be in you. And then in verse 19, he goes down and says this. After a little while, the world will no longer see me. He's speaking about his death. Pretty soon Jesus is going to go to the cross. In fact, uh, within hours, literally, for the next day it'd be over. And he said, they'll no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. That's the resurrection. You will live also. In that day, in the day of the resurrection of Jesus, you will know that I am in my Father. We saw that last week. Remember, Jesus said, do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? He said, you know, otherwise believe just by the works themselves. The Father abiding in me is speaking through him. So Jesus is saying here in that day, you're gonna know that I am in the Father, the oneness between Jesus and the Father. But here's something he says that's kind of new here. And you in me, you in me, me and you in Christ. And I in you, Christ in you. That same oneness that the Father and the Son share with one another is the same oneness we share with Jesus. Paul's language, I'm in Christ, Christ is in me. And that's the truth that Jesus is teaching us this morning, is that in this future time, you will understand that the same way that I'm one with the Father, I'm gonna be one with you. You're gonna be in me, I'm gonna be in you. And you know, 
us in Christ, that's loaded. I'll let Joel Brasfield speak on that someday. But uh, that's all the riches we have in Christ. Matter of fact, here's the good news. Us in Christ is the way that God sees us. If you can just remember this, the way in Christ is the way that God sees us and the way that God blesses us. You know we're hidden in Christ. And so you know when Jesus looks at me, he doesn't look at my past and what Pat was. He doesn't look at my present failures and my trips up and my weaknesses. I'm hidden in Christ. When he sees me, he sees Christ. He sees the, hiddenness, the, the, the righteousness of Christ because I'm in Christ. Colossians says, I'm hidden in Christ. And Ephesians 1 says that we're blessed in him with every blessing. So being in Christ is the way that God sees me and it's the way that God blesses me as he allows me to share in all the blessings, all the riches, all the positions, all the rights, all the privileges that Jesus have, I get to share in Christ. So that's what Jesus, you know, I'm giving you more than what, this is the heart of what Jesus was talking about. In that day, you're gonna know this. But then he says, you're gonna see that I am in you. So if being in Christ, if I'm hidden in Christ and I'm one with him, we've illustrated this before, like the chocolate milk with the white milk, they're stirred together, you can't separate two, they're now we're one spirit with Christ. And being in Christ is the way that God sees me and blesses me, Christ being in me is the way that God changes me and empowers me. You see, me being in Christ is the way he sees me and the way he blesses me, Christ being in me is the way that God works in me. And he brings about changes in my life. And it's the way that God empowers me and fills me with his life and his strength. So these two little words are gigantic. And as you read through the rest of the New Testament and the epistles, you see that Paul unfolds this in a major way. But Jesus introduces this truth to his followers at this time. And I want you to see this. Look back at verse 16. The first word, is, how many have the word and in your Bible is the first word? Yeah, most of you. Um, you know, there's a few Bibles that don't have that, but in the Greek text, the first word is and. It's a connective word, which means what Jesus is gonna say here is connected to what just came before. And so what Jesus is saying is what he just said before, which in verse 15 was this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Obedience to Jesus and his word is connected with the Holy Spirit coming to help us. Now look at down in verse 21. And he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. So we see that this whole truth of the Holy Spirit's coming is couched in the context of obedience to Jesus' commands. Now, we're gonna talk about that next week, by the way. So if you're with us next week, we're gonna talk about what does all this mean, keeping Jesus' commands and his love for us, and if you love me, you obey me. You know, that is not a legalistic thing, but you gotta come next week to understand more about that. But we see in this context here that Jesus is connecting the Holy Spirit with obedience and his help in particular there. It's not the only way, but in this context, he's speaking of that. 
And that shouldn't surprise us, especially those of you who were here last fall when we went through the covenants. Because remember the new covenant? The new covenant was given to Israel. They were in disobedience to God, so they were under discipline. But God had promised them there's a day that's coming. And put up the passage, Pete. He said this, he's speaking to Israel here. Moreover, though, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I'll remove that heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you'll be careful to observe my ordinances. That's why we look forward to a day when God, when we see that in Zechariah, when Jesus returns, Israel's gonna repent and recognize we, we crucified the Messiah. And God's gonna pour out on them the spirit of the new covenant at that time. But we as believers enter into that same promise through Jesus. And so today we get to experience the new covenant and we get to experience God taking out that old unresponsive heart that just wanted to live for itself in the world and he put in a new heart that wants to live for God and is sensitive to God. But not only did he give us a new heart, then he put his Holy Spirit inside that new heart, the new man indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And look at what the Holy Spirit does. He does two things. My Spirit's in you, one, to cause you to walk in my statutes. And you'll be careful to observe. It's about obedience and be careful to observe my ordinances. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is given to cause obedience. It's the work of God working in us to bring us about and make us people that are gonna obey him. But I love he not only is he, is he the cause of our obedience, he makes us careful. In other words, we don't take God and his word for granted. There's a carefulness, there's a respect. We say, whoa, this is what God says. I better order my life around this. So the Holy Spirit works inside. This is the very purpose of the Holy Spirit. He came to give us the ability to obey God in a heart that's sensitive and tender and responsive to his word. That's what Jesus is saying here. Guess what? If you keep my commandments, you obey me. At the end, he talks again about keeping his commandments. What's he put in between with the word connective and? I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to help you do this. So the Holy Spirit isn't just sent to help us live our life. He's come to help us live our life for Jesus. And he's not like the, I, the, I dream a genie for those old enough like me that, uh, you know, I got this thing, the Holy Spirit, and I can ask him to help me with this and that because that's what I want. No, it, it's that chance to live my life for Jesus the way he wants. And the Holy Spirit's gonna build in my heart that desire to walk with Jesus and the ability to walk with Jesus. That's the main purpose of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, creating in us a life that is shaped by God's word that walks with God. But I wanna show you some other ministries of the Holy Spirit. Um, in the Upper Room Discourse, it, I, I, I never told you this because I got sidetracked. In the first 13 chapters of John, 
he speaks about the Holy Spirit twice. John 3, being born again. John 7, about at the great feast and the Holy Spirit meeting the deepest needs of our heart, dwelling in the deepest part of our being. Well, six times in the Upper Room Discourse, just in three chapters, he comes back to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a major part of the truth that God is trying to get his followers to understand in his ministry to them. And we're gonna come back in a few more messages talking about some of these specific ministries. So this morning, I'm gonna touch on them briefly, but we're gonna look at this quickly. Look at down at verse 26 of John 14. As Jesus once again brings us back to the Holy Spirit. Now, as you read the book of John, I, I, I hope you're reading along with us. One thing you see as a major theme throughout the book is the misunderstanding of what Jesus says. They're kind of like, what? what? You know, just flying over their head what Jesus said. They're like, well, what's he mean by it? What's he talking about? So there's just this sense at that time when they, there was so much they didn't understand. But he says this in verse 26 of John 14, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Let me stop there real quick. You guys who were here last week knows what it means to do something in somebody's name, right? It means that you are an official representative of that person whose name you're doing it is. You're acting in their behalf, and in the prayer context, you're asking what they would. So to pray in Jesus' name means I'm coming representing Jesus here, and I'm asking the things that Jesus would ask in his behalf. Well, here to be, for the Holy Spirit to be sent in the name of Jesus, guess what? He's coming to represent Jesus to us. And guess what he's bringing? He's working in behalf of Jesus, bringing the help that Jesus would bring to us. That's what it means for the Holy Spirit to be sent in, uh, in Jesus' name. So the Father is going to send the Spirit in the name of Jesus, so he's coming to represent Jesus on this earth in our lives, doing the help that Jesus would do for you and me. And this is one of the ways he's going to help us. He will teach you all things. Man, the guys have been missing. Guess what? He's going to teach you what all these things I've been saying. You're, you're going to understand what they mean. Not only is he going to teach you, but after Jesus is gone, he's going to bring back to their remembrance all that he said. Turn to John 15 now, verse 26. When the, when the helper, again, the Holy Spirit, back to the helper, here's how, here's how he's going to help, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also because you've been with me from the beginning. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit bringing the witness of Jesus to the world. And as you read throughout the scripture and we see there's so many ways that the Spirit of God is working, preparing in the, in the lost people to give them understanding of Jesus and the gospel and bringing about his Jesus so you can't be born again apart from the Spirit of God. He's the one who's doing this work. But he also, there's a many ministries of the Holy Spirit in you and I and helping us and empowering us in our witness. So, I, you know, when I witness, my trust is in what the Spirit of God is doing as I'm bringing the word of God to people in the gospel. And so the, the Holy Spirit is actually working along with us 
in the ministry of witnessing to the lost world about Jesus. Now look at down in John 16, verse seven. He expands on this a little bit further and he says this, but I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. This is amazing. I always thought, man, if Jesus was just walking right here with me, I'd be okay. You know, I, I know everything would be okay. Jesus says, you know, there's something better than that. It's actually to your advantage that I'm going away because I'm going to send the helper. He's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. So it's actually to our advantage that Jesus is going. It's a tremendous gift that God has given us. The presence of Jesus by the Spirit in us, not just with us. But then you go to verse 8. And he says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, convict, you know, sometimes people, we think of conviction as making people feel guilty. And we're going to put the pressure on them. And we're going to, you know, until, until they break down and cry and feel guilty for what they've done. And they're really sorry. The word convict means convince. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is convinced somebody you really are a sinner. Jesus really is the Savior. This really is the truth about how I come to know him. What they're saying about Jesus is really true. And so the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convince people, the lost people of the world, concerning three things. And so I think of these three things, I think about when I evangelize, what do I want to talk about? If the Holy Spirit's convicting them about sin, I want to talk to people about sin. Because that's what the Holy Spirit's convincing them about. I want to talk to them about righteousness. My righteousness is never enough, even if I'm good. Only Jesus' righteousness is enough to be accepted. Because what's the Spirit doing? He's convincing the world about righteousness in Jesus. And then he's convincing them about judgment. Someday you're going to stand before God and be accountable. Someone encourages you to think about witnessing. Make sure in your conversations... I'm building it around a discussion about sin. I'm building around a discussion about Jesus and his righteousness. And I'm building it around someday you're gonna stand before God because that's what the Holy Spirit is convincing the world about. So look at it as I read this. We're gonna do a whole message on this. So actually Don's gonna do this message. Looking forward to hearing this, Don. And he says this, and when he comes in verse eight, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness, concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. I remember a discussion I was having with a woman who, who was gay, and her comment was to me, you think I'm going to hell because I'm a homosexual? I said, no, I, I really don't believe that. I said, I believe your problem is, is you're rejecting Jesus and you're not believing in him. And we spend all our time trying to convince people what bad sinners they are, thinking if we convince them about their particular sins, somehow then they'll come to Jesus. The great sin of the world is not believing in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's convincing people of their sin because they're not believing in Jesus, the sin of unbelief. And then he goes on and says this, concerning righteousness, 
Because I go to the Father and you'll no longer see me. Jesus is the righteous one. He's the only one who can go into the presence of the Father. It's his righteousness that we need, not our own. And then concerning judgment. Because the ruler of this world has been judged. And then there's one more ministry he talks about here in the next verses. And that is in verses um, 12 and 13. We'll do a whole message on this in the future, but you're going to see this is about the promise that God will inspire his apostles, his disciples, his followers, that he will inspire the word. It'll be the Holy Spirit that'll give them what they need to teach. So listen to this. Jesus, I, I have a lot more things to talk to you guys about. I have many more things to say. But you can't bear them now. You can't handle it. If I was to tell you, you guys don't even understand what I've already told you. How are you going to understand more if I give you more? So Jesus says, I got a lot more to say to you, but you're not ready for it. You can't bear it. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. That's the future. And so we'll talk a whole message on that, but again, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and just inspiring his disciples to write God's word. There's other ministries of the Holy Spirit. And again, I'm only giving you a sampling this morning. Nobody can do justice to what the Holy Spirit does in, you know, we can do a whole series and still not do justice. <laughs> but... Uh, let me speak about a few other ministries we read in the New Testament. How about regeneration? Jesus said you can't be born again unless it's the Spirit of God that does it. He's the one that makes us brand new creatures in Christ. He's the one that causes us to be born again. He's the one that gives us that new life within us, the, life, the eternal life. How about the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit? Sealed means this, that he locks us into Jesus. We're sealed in Jesus. And it says in Ephesians, until the day of redemption. It's a guarantee that you're locked into Jesus and you will not lose that position or that relationship. It's guaranteed that he's going to hold you and seal you in place until Jesus come back to fulfill all those promises in his kingdom. We're sealed in and by the Holy Spirit. He teaches us. Now, we read in the Upper Room Discourse, and I'll show you in a few weeks, those promises are specifically for the apostles. It's clear when you look at the text closely, but thank God for 1 John, because what does 1 John say? We got anointing from the Father. We don't need anybody to teach us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. And so we also have the benefit of the Spirit of God working within us, teaching us what Jesus meant, bringing back to our remembrance all that he said and helping us understand the implications of what this means. And so the Holy Spirit's one of his ministries is, is I hope when you get into God's word every time I do, I stop and I start with prayer. Spirit, teach me, speak to me, give me understanding. It's not because we come with the best grammar and context and history and all that other stuff. It's because we come dependent on the Spirit of God to open the eyes of our heart to show us things we never saw before. So he teaches. He leads and guides us. This is the way I see life, guys. Life is like walking through a 
field of landmines. And those landmines are planted by the world, by the devil, and by my own flesh. And I need the Spirit of God to guide me and lead me step by step through life so I don't step on this landmine. I don't step on that one. And you know, we got the devil who is uh, our personal, intelligent enemy who is using the world, our external enemy, as a supply house and manipulating that to go to my flesh, my internal enemy that gets attracted by those things in the world, as the enemy kind of takes bait out of that supply house, says, I know, this is, this is how you catch a Pat Peglo. So he puts that bait in front of me, and I need the Spirit of God to lead me and guide me and keep me in that landmine of life as I walk day by day. He baptizes us into Christ. Romans 6, read this in 1 Corinthians, we're baptized into the body. And what that means is this. We are placed into, like a baptism, we're plunged under the water, we're plunged into Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit where guess what happens? I'm in Christ. That, you know, Jesus talked about in John 14. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to plunge me into, to baptize me into, to place me into Jesus. He fills me. Jesus lives in me, but he doesn't always fill us. What it means to be filled by the Spirit is this, that moment by moment, I'm walking in dependence upon the one who lives in me to occupy every area of my life and exercise his influence over every area of my life. So like the drunk person in Ephesians 5, what happens when a person's controlled by wine, uh, their, their th thinking there changes, their speech changes, their attitude changes, their actions change. Well, guess what? When I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit, my speech changes, my thinking changes, my attitude changes, my actions change. See, it's the Holy Spirit filling and controlling and influencing my life. How about the assurance in Romans 8? He assures us that we're children of God. There's that little thing deep and says, yeah, you're my child. I'm a child of God. In Romans 8, we see he prays for us because we don't even know how to pray for ourselves. And so the Spirit prays for us. He gifts us. We're given gifts by the Holy Spirit which become different ways that we manifest Jesus through our lives in order to bless others. We all have different gifts. It's the Holy Spirit. And he sanctifies us. He's the one who's breaking down the control of the world and the flesh and the devil in my life. And he's building into me the resurrected life of Jesus. Like I said, guys, I don't know of a benefit of a blessing, of a gift that comes along with our salvation better than the ministry and the work. And I just scratched the surface because you know what? I, I've said some things that a lot I haven't said and there's a lot of applications we haven't touched. But the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. How do we plug into it? Let me start you off on that. Again, this isn't the final word, but let me start you off on this. There's three ways that I seek to plug into this great gift of the Spirit of God living in me. The first one is prayer. 
have this on a PowerPoint. Hebrews 13, you've heard me say this before. Beautiful truth. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, so that means that God is able to raise the dead. He brought up the great shepherd of sheep, Jesus our Lord. Equip you in everything good, every good thing to do his will. Again, here's the everything. Well, everything, no, everything to do his will. <laughs> and so he'll equip you with every good thing to do his will, working where? In us. He, where does he live? He lives in us now. He's working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. What do you need to do God's will? Brothers and sisters, this is a daily prayer for me. God, equip me. I, I consider this the New Testament anointing. God, equip me with whatever I need to do, what he wants me to do, and not only just do it with grinding my teeth, but doing it in a way that pleases him. So the Spirit of God works, so I'm not like a Pharisee externally doing the stuff of God, but from the inside, from the core of my being, Jesus being formed in me as these things are going on. So Jesus in us equips us what we need to do. It reminds me of Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Put it up here again, this passage. You may be familiar with it. So then my beloved brethren, as you've always obeyed, we're talking about obedience again. Not as in my presence only, but now much more. In other words, you didn't just obey when I was around. How much more important it is to obey when I'm not around. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, first of all, and there's a whole nother message this is not, I'm not teaching a passivity Christianity where we kind of passively sit back in the spirit, work out our salvation. We cooperate in that. That's that I, I call it like this. We do our due diligence as we have deep dependence upon the spirit of God. We do what God's called us to do, but I'm trusting the spirit to work it in me, in, in, in the depths of my being, because it's God at work to do two things. One, both to will. God's going to make me want to do it. That's what we learned in the New Covenant, isn't it? <laughs> and guess, you know, guys, if you say, man, I really don't want to go there, the place to start is this, depend upon the Spirit of God to change your want-tos. And I, there, you know how many times I've said, God, I need you. I don't even want to do that. I can't give you thanks for this. I'm so miserable over what happened. But God, I know you want to, and I don't want to do it like a Pharisee and pretend. I need you to change me at the core of my being and start to give me the want-to to do that. And then he says, not only the will, but the work. He gives me the ability to do it so that I live it out in my daily life. There's a dependence upon the one who lives in me to cause obedience in me and to make me careful. The second one is Galatians 2.20. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians 2.20. We're going to wrap it up with these passages here. Galatians 
He says this. I've been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Sounds like what Jesus said in John 14. You're going to find out someday that I'm in you and you're in me. Here we are again. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, the life I now live in this body, how am I going to live? I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. How do I walk? I depend upon the one who's living in me. And my trust is not in what I can bring to the table and how I can pull it off. And so when it comes to obeying God, I've got uh, one of two options. Either I can trust myself or I can trust the one who lives in me. And you know, when I trust myself, I'm trying harder. I'm getting really sincere. I'm committing more. I'm setting up systems. I, I, I'm giving it all I got. You know, it's all that kind of stuff. And I go, ah, I really mean it this time. I'm really going to live for Jesus. My, you know, my message is this, guys. My call this morning isn't for you to live for Jesus. It's for Jesus to live for you, to create in you a heart that will live for Jesus. You follow me? We start at the wrong end. And it's Jesus living in me who works in me, that kind of attitude and that kind of life. So, either, so when I come to something God calls me to, rather than setting up a new system and a new accountability partner and, and a new program and following all these steps and really meeting at this time and confessing again and all that kind of stuff, I say, Jesus, if you don't do it in me, it's not going to happen. I can't. You must. And I depend upon the indwelling Jesus to do a miracle in and through me. Look at, just turn to Galatians 4. There's our last passage for this morning. Just a couple pages over. Look at this. My children, with whom I'm again in labor, and only you mothers would understand that word labor. That's that word for the birth pangs that a woman goes through when she's delivering a child. And so this is how deeply Paul's invested in what's going to come. My children, whom I'm in labor, until Christ is formed in you. Looking for Jesus, the indwelling Christ, to be formed in us. Until him to be fully occupying my life and every area of my life and fully in control of my life and influencing everything in my life. You know what? You know, when it comes to love, it's Jesus loving through me. When it comes to purity, it's Jesus being pure through me. When it comes to peace, it's Jesus being peace through me. When it comes to forgiving, it's like Jesus at the cross, forgiving that one who's next to him. You know, whatever we need, Jesus really is the answer. And it's him forming in me the very things that God's calling of my life. You know, the heart of the Christian life is not imitating Jesus. It's not just doing what Jesus would do, even though, let me say this, we do want to do what Jesus did. So I'm not downplaying that part, but we don't want to do it like the Pharisees. We want to do it like Ephesians 4, where Jesus is formed in me. And there's the life of Christ living his life in and out and through me. It's, I say it this way, it's more in 
incarnation life of Jesus being formed in me than an imitation life to me trying to live like Jesus. But when Jesus incarnated like me, guess what'll happen? I'll live like Jesus, but it'll be real. It'll be from the depths. It'll be from the innermost being like rivers of living water flowing out because the Holy Spirit is doing it. So first of all, I pray and I ask the Spirit of God you know, to do in me what I can't do for myself. Second of all, I walk by faith, depending upon him moment by moment rather than myself. And then finally, I walk in obedience. How can you walk with the Spirit if you're not going the same way? The Spirit says, go this way, and I'm going that way. You can't walk with the Spirit. We gotta walk in obedience. And so, come on up here, team. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. And maybe he's been saying to you, this is the way, walk ye in it. Then you need to go there. Maybe the Spirit's been saying to you, that's the wrong direction. Don't go there. Then we need to stop going there. Maybe he's saying it's time to release this. I want to make room for you. <laughs> Saying that's really kind of what it's got. I'm going to release this to give room for you to do whatever you want to do. And then we need to let go. So what is the Spirit of God telling you? You got to release. Where's he telling you you need to go? Maybe he's telling you to be still and just wait on him. Then wait. Maybe he's saying go, then go. I don't know what he's saying to you. I know he was speaking to me this morning as I was worshiping, and there's things he said, you know, Pat, you gotta let go of it to make room for me. I said, Lord, I'm letting go, I'm making room for you. What is it in your life today that you need to let go of to make room for God by means of his spirit to be in control of your life and to live through you? So as we sing this last song, much like Zach encouraged us before the message, I want you to pray the song. It may be new to many of you, and don't worry about if you get the song right. Don't worry about it, even if you sing it. What I do care about is you get these words and you speak to God, you listen as God's speaking to you, and respond as he would move in your heart. That's what worship's about this morning, not about singing the song. So don't worry about if your voice isn't pretty or if your words are off or your tune. Make this your prayer to God and respond as he would lead you. Zach.